0: Welcome everyone to Daf Yomi K'tuvot, one week at a time. Uh, this is our 16th and final lesson of Masakhet K'tuvot. Um, it's very exciting. Uh, we are going to be, we've been learning the, this masachet for 16 weeks. Um, we will be uh, completing 112 Dapim uh really 111 because we start on page 2 uh but today we are going to be reviewing uh daf 107 till 112 um and Be'ezrat hashem uh we will be uh finishing together um those of you who um are married and have their ketuvah handy i thought it would be nice if you uh want to share a picture uh, or describe or show your ktuva. I thought it would be uh, an interesting thing to see, um, but we can discuss that at the end. Uh, so let's 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 learn uh, the end of our masachet. Um, we're going to be learning some more. Um, I would say disputes about money, uh, and then we're going to finish uh, speaking about uh the sanctity of eretz israel and the importance of living in israel so uh we have a lot to do today um so let's begin so uh DAF 107 uh rav teaches us that we need to give mizonot which again we've learned is support uh to married women who are uh, to, to married women whose husbands are away and Shmuel says, no, we don't need to support them. Um, why? Uh, because uh, you know Shmuel says that when the husband goes away, he leaves money for his wife. Uh, so the Gemara says that Rav agrees that for the first three months, you're right, we don't have to. Supporter, because the assumption is that the husband left money for her to uh, be supported and um, after that, however, Rav says that they do need uh, again to go into the estates property and to support the wife uh, while her husband is away. if however, they hear that he died, then everybody agrees that we support her, right? Because now there's no husband to support her. Um, the makhluket though, is if we don't know uh, if he died. So again, as we said, maybe he left her money and she's pretending that he didn't, or maybe he said to her before he left, listen, you have a job, so you uh, buy your own food and you can keep, right? Or you buy your own food with the money that you're making. You don't have to, uh, again, as we've seen in, previously in this masakhat, uh, really when she uh, earns a salary, the salary goes into the husband's estate uh, or bank account. Um, but he could have said to her, you know what? You keep the money that you're making and use that to buy your own food. And then she can, right? Trick the court and say, "Oh, you know, he left, and I have no money. Give me money from, you know, his bank account." And it turns out that she's not only keeping her money, uh, but she's getting his money as well. So that's uh, where we're concerned uh, that people would be dishonest. Um, okay. So as we said, the court can go into his property and give his wife the money that she needs to buy food. However, um, they do not do this for his children, and we have seen this previously in the Masechet. Um, is the father uh, obligated to support his children or not? Um, and uh, again, we say that uh, here the case is where she heard uh, based on one Uh, one witness that he died and then she can get remarried based on the one witness. However, the children can't inherit his property based on one witness. They actually need two witnesses. Um, Now, let's say we have um, the Yivama, right? So we have um, a, a man who died. Excuse me, he left his Um, his widow, and uh, so we say that for 3 months, She's supported from the husband's property, the one who died, and then after three months, she's not supported from the husband's. Um, and she's waiting for the Yavam, meaning his brother needs to marry her, and then he supports her. But if he doesn't, so then she's kind of like stuck. Um, so the Gemara says that if the court says that they need to do Yibum, and let's say the Yavam, right again, the husband's brother runs runs away and he says, I don't want to do Yibum. So then the court can actually go into the Yavams estates or his bank account and take out money to support the Yivama, the woman who is waiting to do Yibum. Um, Okay, now the Gemara brings another case. What if both the husband and the wife went overseas and then she comes back and says that he died? So she can either get mizonot, she can either be supported from the uh, estate or she can get her ktuva, right? Either or, right? Not both if she does miun, right if uh, the girl uh right we learned about miun previously if she's a minor uh, and she was married off by her brother or her mother uh till she is 12 years old she's allowed to do miun. Miun means that she says i don't want to be married to this person and it basically annuls the wedding right she can actually just walk away from the marriage If she does that, she is no longer supported by the husband's estate, right? Once she walks away, she does not, um, she cannot claim uh, that she wants to get um, support. Um, Okay, but if she didn't do and he went overseas, right, they're still married, and therefore she does get she does uh, get supported. And now we have, like, stories of, uh, again, uh, different people who gave, um, who supported the women when the husbands went away. And the Gemara ends by saying uh, on this topic that uh, the law is like Rav, that she does uh, get support uh, through the court, uh, and she is supported by her husband's estate when the husband uh, goes away. Okay, next Mishnah, we have a lot of Mishnayot coming up. Uh, Let's say the husband went overseas and another man came, right? A neighbor, a friend, and he supported the wife. Um, The husband didn't ask him to do it. Uh, When the husband gets back, the husband does not need to reimburse this other man, right? Because he can say, you know, I didn't ask you to do that, so I don't have to pay you back. Or the other opinion is that um, the person who laid out the money takes an oath and says exactly how much he gave the wife uh, and then the husband does need to reimburse him that exact amount. So that's the machluket. Uh Daf 108, the Gemara explains that, um, and, and here we're going to talk about um, people who take a neder, take a vow, which we're gonna learn uh, next week all about. Uh, but if a person swears to not have any benefit from somebody else, he can still um, pay for his machatzit shekel Do you remember when we learned in Masachet Shkalim a long time ago about the half shekel coin that was given once a year uh, as taxes to the temple, to the Beit HaMikdash, uh, and it was used to buy sacrifices So this was a tax, and someone can do it for somebody else, uh, and it's not seen as benefit. Uh, It's actually seen as doing a mitzvah for another person, but not um, out of, let's say, personal benefit. The truth is he's getting spiritual benefit, but uh, not personal benefit. Um, He can also pay a loan for him. And that seems to be connected to the Mishnah that we just mentioned. Okay. The next Mishnah, if you remember last week, we had said uh, Hanan uh, ruled or decreed two things and Admon ruled seven things. So now we're going to learn about the seven things that um, Admon, Admon, who was uh, one of the judges of Jerusalem, uh, what are some of the things that he says? So. Um, The first thing is that if a man dies, um, we give money to the boys, right? The boys inherit the father, the sons, but if it's a small estate, then the daughters, inherit or are supported by the money in the estate and the boys have to go and ask for charity right because it's not um modest for the girls to have to go door to door asking for charity rather the money goes to the girls and the boys ask for charity admon says why should i a male lose out you know if the estate is so small Uh, So he seems to disagree with this uh, statement. Uh, The next Mishnah, um, if someone claims that another person owes him jugs of oil, uh, right? So uh, Reuven goes to Shimon and he says, Shimon, you owe me, you know, these jugs of oil. And then Shimon says, "Um, I borrowed jugs or, or, you know, I I owe you the jugs, but not oil, just the jugs. So Admon says that this person needs to take an oath, uh, that this is all that he owes, um, because we have a concept called mode uh, mode in English that means someone who admits partially, right? So if, if um, again, our case is you owe me jugs of oil. And he says, no, 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 I just owe you jugs. Admon says, this is a partial admission of the uh, loan, right? Really, it's usually taught as someone says, I, uh, you owe me $100. And the person says, what are you talking about? I owe you $50. So the um, the Gemara says that if someone admits to partial, um, you know, partial payment, uh, then they need to take an oath that that's all that they owe, and then they can pay back what they said. Um, so here, there's a discussion: is admitting to jugs but not the oil is that seen as a partial admission or not? Um, the sages say, no, no, no. That's not what we call mode b'miktat. It's not the same thing, uh, and therefore he does not have to take an oath. So the Gemara explains um, again a different case. If someone says you owe me wheat and barley, and then the person says, no, 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 I only owe you wheat, right? So he doesn't need to swear according to the sages because that's not seen as partial. Uh, partial is. Uh, 50, as opposed to 100, but we're still talking about apples and apples. But if I say wheat and barley and you say, no, 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 only wheat that's. I was gonna say apples and oranges, but it's actually wheat and barley, right? It's 2 different things. So the sages say that's not the same idea as partial admission and therefore you do not have to swear. Um. Again, the Gemara brings another opinion that he does need to swear. And therefore, in our case as well, he would need to swear. Um, right? Again, uh, if if someone said, you owe me 10 jugs worth of oil, and he says, no, 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 I only owe you jugs, that's, again, not seen as modeb mixtat. It's not partial admission. But if he says, jugs of oil, and that includes the jugs, So, then it is seen as partial, Um, right? So, let's say he says, oh, I never uh, I never took oil, but I do have 5 jugs of yours. Uh, So, again, he can make him swear about the jugs and then he can extend the oath to include other things. Okay, next Mishnah. A person said he would give money to the son-in-law for a dowry, right? Um, the two, uh, right, the, the parents and the children are sitting together. And uh, the the father of the bride says, you know, I promise to give you, you know, uh, $10,000. Uh, and then the father lost all his money, right? The stock market crashed. He has no more money. Um, and now he can't pay uh, the the dowry that he said he would, uh, daf one o nine. The 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 groom right the chatan doesn't have to marry her. Says the mishnah right again. There was an agreement. You said you were going to give me ten thousand dollars. Now you can't. So uh, you know I don't have to. I don't have to go into that marriage. Admon says that the the bride can say. Listen, what's going on here, right? It's my father who made that promise, not me. Either marry me or divorce me, but you can't just leave me hanging, right? Uh, According to the first opinion, he can say, you know, I'll wait. When your father gives me the $10,000, then we'll get married. And she says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not fair. Either marry me or divorce me. Um, So that's another statement by Admon. Um, the Gemara explains the Mishnah um, that the Machloket is actually when she promised to give the money, right? Not the father, but she promised. Uh, and then right? she says, oh, let's get married. It's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, I'll give you $10,000. But she really meant my father is going to give you $10,000, uh, right? She thought her father would pay for it. And now he can't pay for it. You know, and then it seems that she's either stuck or not. Um, And then the Gemara discusses, is this only with um, an adult woman? Uh, What about a minor? Uh, If it's a minor, we do force him. Uh, And then the Gemara says, who do we force to do what? Right? Who's, Who's him? Right? What do we do? So the Gemara says, either we force the father to pay or the husband to marry or divorce her. Um, And uh, the Gemara says that in all of these cases where Admon made a statement, if Rabban Gamliel agreed with him, so then we follow Admon's statement. Um, And the Gemara says, no, right, the law is actually like Hanan in both of the statements that he made and the seven statements of uh, Admon. um, Maybe all seven statements are the law, or it seems maybe only three out of seven are the law that we follow okay next mishnah on daf 109 um if someone um protests the sale of a field right there's someone says oh i'm selling my field and someone else says what are you talking about you're selling that field someone else owns that field or i own that field right but if he's the one um who signed on the document of sale now we have a problem so admon says um it, uh we do believe him because it's easier to deal with the second owner and therefore he signed um on this sale document uh and it doesn't it doesn't prove that he doesn't own uh or that the other person doesn't own it uh the sage says no if he's the one who signed the original document then he loses his right to claim ownership right why would he sign a sale document if really he owns the property. So um, the sages say we do not not believe him that he actually owns the land. Uh, The Gemara explains that if he was the judge that sat in judgment of this document, then that would be okay. Um, If he used the sale as the border to his own field, so then we also, then that does work. Uh, And there's the story of a man who did this, and then he died, and and then he lost the ability to say that the other field was his field. Um, Okay, next, Mishnah, Um, someone went overseas, and when he came back, he lost the path to his field, right? So let's say he had a field. It was surrounded by four other fields uh, and there used to be a path, but he went away for so long that, you know, either it was grown over or someone planted on it, but he now doesn't have any access to his field that's in the middle. Um, so the Gemara, the Mishnah says he, uh, The Mishnah says that Admon says that he can use the shortest route, meaning he figures out what's the shortest way to get to his field. And that path becomes his property or the sages say, no, he lost that path and now he needs to buy the rights to uh, that path or he can fly over everybody's field and get to his uh and get to his field uh one could see how that would be complicated um the gemara explains right again there are four different fields surrounding um and he can't go to anyone to get the path right because everyone could say oh go to the other guy right or maybe it was one person who used to own it and now it's split up into four or four people sold it and now it's owned by one person um Again, he can take the shortest path. Um, a person said, give my daughter a palm tree when I die. And then uh, what happens? He died and all the brothers, right? All the children, the sons uh, took the property and they didn't give her the palm tree. Uh, and the, the Gemara says, no, no, no. They have to give her the palm tree uh, and then they can resplit the property. Meaning you have to listen to what the father asked Uh, And then you can re, re, uh, you know, assign uh, the the property uh, based on how they want to split it up. Okay, DAF 110, the Mishnah tells us, um, Reuven has a document that says that Shimon owes him money, right? So like an uh, you owe me kind of thing, right? You owe me money. Uh, Shimon has a document that says that Reuven sold him a field. Right, so what happens? Uh, Admon says that Shimon can say, well, right, you have a document that says I bought the field. You should have collected the money when you sold me the field, but you didn't, so I don't owe you money anymore. Um, The sages say, no, no, no. Shimon um, is very smart. And now, right, Ruben can take the field, right, for, again, uh, it, Shimon bought the field and now um, Reuven can take it back as payment for the original loan. Um, So uh, the Gemara says again, um, the Machloket is when they wrote the document and then they gave the money where it becomes complicated who owes who money versus land. Okay, next Mishnah, Um, two people have documents that the other person owes them the same amount of money, right? You owe me $100 and he says, no, 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 you owe me $100. So Admon says, one person can say, if I I owe you money, why why would you borrow money from me? That doesn't make sense. Therefore, your document is false. Um, The sages say, no, 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 Uh, we believe both documents. You have to give him a hundred dollars, and then he has to give you a hundred dollars. So the Gemara is going to explain this. Um, right again, either uh, right. The first opinion is everybody just keeps their money, or um, the Gemara says everyone keeps their own land. Right? Let's say they owe each other land. Everyone just keeps their own land. You don't have to, you know, trade. Um, but uh, here we're going to discuss. The Gemara gets into the 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 topic of. Um, different types of land. So, according to the Gemara, there are three, or according to Jewish law, there are three types of land, um, the, you know, prime real estate or really we, in, in terms of agriculture, right? The best uh, land for uh, development, for growth, for uh, agriculture, uh, aver- so that's the best. Then there's, right, that's called edit. Then there's average, excuse me, which is called benonit uh, average. And then there's Ziburit, um, you know, the lowest quality of land. So there's a Machloket if these categories are objective or subjective. Meaning, is there an objective understanding of best, average, worst? Or is it subjective to what I own? If I own a lot of land, right, and it's all really amazing. So then my worst is going to be maybe better than your best. Right? Because, um, it becomes like a sliding scale. So that's the. Discussion here uh, on Daf one uh, one ten. Uh, the discussion is: um, is there right? If maybe they're different, uh, if it's subjective, so then we would say that you switch land because what's average to me is not necessarily average to you, uh, and therefore they would have to pay each other back. Um, or if it's if it's objective, then there's really no point in. Switching land uh, because why would you just switch land? Stay with the land that you had. Um, okay, next Mishnah. Uh, there are three areas in Eretz Israel in Israel with regards to marriage. We've seen this a little bit before. Uh, we've seen it more in two areas. Well, now we're going to discuss three areas. One is Yehuda, right? Judah, which is uh, the southern, center southern Part of Israel, we have Ever Hayarden, which is uh, the other side of the Jordan, and we have the Galil, the Galilee, the north. Uh, and these were seen as three separate uh, regions. What does that mean? Uh, the Mishnah explains: You can't. A husband cannot make his wife move. From 1 region to another Uh, again, uh, it could be in terms of quality of life, which we'll see. Uh, It could also be in terms of uh, being far from her friends, from her relatives, from her family. Right? There's no, uh, there's no zoom and there's no phone calls. Um, So, right. It's like, as if you're moving to another country, Uh, that's not fair to do to the wife, Um, but within 1 region, you are allowed to move from 1 town to another. Um, he can now this is interesting also um he cannot make her move from a town to a city meaning small town big city or the opposite from a big city to a small town the gemara is going to explain why um you can uh, go from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood but not the opposite um, Rabban Gamliel says you can't even go from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood again to force her. If she is fine to go, then that's great, but you can't force her uh, and Gamliel says, if you go from a bad neighborhood to a good neighborhood, it's not good for your health. Um, I, okay, so the Gemara is going to explain, right? You can't go from a town to a city because it's hard to live in the big city. Um and change in routine right? bad neighborhood good neighborhood change in routine can lead to stomach illness uh literally illness and therefore he cannot force her to move okay next mishnah um and since we're talking about being forced to move so the next mishnah is a very famous mishnah uh, which says that everyone can be forced to move to Eretz Israel, meaning if a husband wants to move to Israel and his wife doesn't want to, he can force her to move, and vice versa. If the wife wants to move and the husband doesn't want to move, she can force him to move to Israel, right, and to Jerusalem, right, from living somewhere else in in Israel to Jerusalem. It's seen as um, right the best place to live, um, but um, they cannot force one another to move away from Jerusalem or from Israel right and the mishnah says men and women um married let's say a person uh married a woman in Israel but then he, and then he divorced her in Israel he needs to give her the currency right for her ketubah of israeli currency but let's say if he married her in israel and divorced her outside of israel or the opposite he can give her money of israel or local currency but if they got married outside of israel and got divorced outside of israel you have to use the current currency of where you are living okay the gemara says that even a um ah that uh Slaves also can be forced to move to Israel. Um, and again, we said you can force family, uh, the family to live in a work, right? Ah, let's say you live in a fancy neighborhood outside of Israel, uh, and the option is to move to a, uh, you know, to downsize to Israel. You can still force the, the spouse to come to Israel, meaning Israel trumps. The big house, as opposed to the small house. Um, interestingly, if a slave um, runs away to Israel, right from outside, you are not allowed to remove him uh, out to uh, outside of Israel, right? Because of the mitzvah. Of settling in Israel, right? And these uh, these last Dapim talk about the importance of living in Israel and it's so important as we see, uh, right? One spouse can force the other to move to uh, can, to move to Israel. Um, and if they do not want to move to israel then you can force them to give you a a a get, right to be divorced right let's say the woman says i want to live in israel he says no way she says fine if you don't want to right i'm going and if you don't want to come then you need to give me a divorce and that does work uh in both ways right the man or the woman um the gemara says that it's better to live in Israel in a city where it's majority non-Jews than to live outside of Israel in a city where it's a majority of Jews. Uh, I think it's, you know, again, a fascinating discussion. Uh, The Gemara says, because if you live in Israel, you have a God, right? This is based on a verse that God, uh, you know, is... Again, it doesn't mean that God is not outside of Israel, but uh, if you live in Israel, you are connected to God on a a different level. Um, And if you're outside of Israel, it's very difficult to connect on that level. Um, It can go a little bit even more extreme. Uh, There's an opinion in the Gemara that says that if you live outside of Israel, uh, it's as if you are worshiping idols. Sorry, Um, but uh, again, I think uh, the idea here is, uh, I don't think you're idol worshipers. Uh, I think the idea here is the importance of living in Israel. Right? Again, don't forget we're learning Talmud Bavli, right? This is written in Bavel. Uh, We're going to get to Bavel in a minute, Um, but uh, we want to impress upon everyone the importance of living in Israel. so we have a story, uh, Rabbi Zera wanted to move to Israel, but his teacher of Yehuda uh, said that you cannot move to Israel, uh, the top of DAF 111. Uh, Rav Yehuda um, felt that based on a verse that God would take them out of Bavel and that. It, that they had no right to go to Israel on their own. Uh, and there are still people uh, who feel this way, that uh, they're waiting for a miraculous event to bring them all to Israel. Uh, until then they're staying outside of Israel. Uh, Rabbi Zera disagreed. Rabbi Zera felt that even based on the same verses, that Israel, um, that Individuals are need to move to Israel, can move to Israel, should move to Israel. Uh, And here, uh, DAF 111, again, I think very famously, has this idea that there were three oaths that God made the Jewish people promise. One is that they cannot conquer Israel uh, as a nation, which, again, is interesting because you know, we are here. Um, two, that the Jews are not allowed to rebel against foreign rule. And three, that non-Jews, right, this was an oath to the non-Jews, that they're not allowed to subjugate the Jews too much, right? And uh, the way the sages understand this now, at least the Zionist sages say, because the non-Jews broke the promise to not subjugate the Jews, all of these vows are uh, kind of void, and therefore um, the Jewish people are allowed to revolt against, you know, the non-Jews who are subjugating them, uh, and they are allowed to conquer Eretz Israel, create a Jewish state, uh, live in Israel. You know, still in all Zionist, uh, all Zionist uh, ideas here. Um, another, uh, we said that there were three oaths. There's another opinion that there were six oaths. Uh, What are the other three that the prophets are not allowed to reveal what the end of days is going to look like, or when it was going to happen? Um, And uh, they cannot um, distance that date, meaning by doing sins Uh, and three, they cannot reveal those secrets to the non Jews Uh, and from here, we're going to talk about the end of days as well. so uh, let's go to the positive sides of living in Israel. Uh, if you live in Israel, you will live without sin. It seems your sins are forgiven. Um, and if you are, let's say you, you couldn't live in Israel, the Gemara on 111 says that if you are buried in Israel, then it's as if you're buried under the altar, meaning you are forgiven of all your sins. Um, and therefore, Um, the Gemara talks about different sages that, even though they lived outside of Israel, made it uh, very, uh, very clear um, that they wanted to uh, live in, uh, they wanted to be buried in Israel. Um, And since we're talking about, again, the importance of Eretz Yisrael of Israel, the Gemara also adds that um, Bavel is like number two. Right, So if you can't live in Israel, at least you should live uh, in Babel, in Babylonia, and it's better than all the other countries uh, around, because again, don't forget, the Torah center is in Babel, and some say that um, the Chazon Ish said this about Uh, about Poland, right? When they were living in Poland, when that was the center of Judaism, he said, you can't leave Poland because this is the Torah center. So it's interesting uh, how Torah centers have moved around the world. Um, Okay. Um, uh, Ah. Okay, so now there's a machloket. If uh, only those buried in Israel will come back to life. Right? We believe in what's called the team, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, we uh, believe that everyone is going to come back, but here there's a look right? Some say only if you're buried in Israel. Uh, others say uh, that um, that. Uh, so, 1st of all, anybody who's buried in Israel is going to come back um, and. If you're buried outside, we're not sure. We'll get back to that in one minute. Uh, we also learned that if you walk four steps in Eretz Israel, you are going to get Olam Haba, right? You get a portion in the in the next world if you just walk in Eretz Israel. Um, so here. Um, The the Gemara says, okay, if you're buried outside of Israel, it's not that you're not gonna uh, be resurrected. Rather, uh, you are going to be resurrected, but you need to get to Israel. How are you gonna get to Israel? You're buried in the ground in the wrong country. So you're gonna have to roll, Yeah, You're gonna have to roll to Israel. And then the Gemara says, wait a minute, you're gonna make righteous people roll around in in the ground? That doesn't make sense. You're gonna get a tunnel. Exactly. You are going to get a tunnel uh, that will bring you, you know, fast pass, express lane, all the way to Israel, um, and it will not be painful. Um, But interesting here, the Gemara brings up, uh, right? Yaakov, right? Jacob tells his children, make sure you bury me, Um, bury me. bury me uh, in Israel, right? And they say the Gemara asks, why was he afraid that he wouldn't get to Eretz Israel? He's righteous. He said, no, he was concerned. Maybe he wouldn't merit, you know, that fast pass. So, right, if he, maybe he won't merit that tunnel. So he said, you know what, Uh, just make sure, um, just make sure that you uh, bury me in Israel. The same thing with Joseph, with Yosef. Um, The Gemara talks about people who do not keep uh, mitzvot, or people who are distant from Torah. Maybe they won't come back, and the Gemara says, no, uh, even if they don't learn Torah, if they're they support people who learn torah then they will also uh come back to life um and we said right these righteous people are gonna be uh you know tunneled into israel where are they gonna come up uh they're gonna come up in jerusalem right just like the the um the grass right uh breaks through the ground so too uh the righteous people will come up uh in jerusalem and they will come up Clothed. I like how the, the Gemara says, How do we know that they're going to be clothed when they come out of the ground? Um, we learn it from wheat. Why? Because wheat, the grain, when you bury it, when you plant it, but when you bury it, you bury it naked, right? You peel off the outside and you put it in the ground. And when it comes up, right, it grows, it comes up covered, it's clothed, right? It's clothed. Uh, so to the the righteous people you're burying them clothed right in uh, in shrouds, so obviously they're going to come back clothed uh, so I think it's just a, a beautiful idea of um you know how the you know clearly this is what's going to happen um uh, and since we're talking about the end of days, uh it team in this time of the resurrection uh of all the um of all the people uh what's going to happen not only when will people what not only will it be miraculous that everyone will come up uh but rather um but also uh the land will uh produce miraculous things like what uh the wheat is going to grow like a palm tree right instead of being little grain uh it's going to be a huge tree um And then what's going to happen? God is going to make a huge wind come and flower is just going to rain down from the tree and you're going to collect the flower and you're going to be able to uh, bake and eat and support your family. Um, And the Gemara says that not only will the grain grow large, but grapes are going to grow very large and it'll be very easy to make wine. Um, And uh, since we're talking about wine. So the Gemara and the end of days. So the Gemara gives a story about someone who went to Bnei Brak. Again, I love when, you know, current cities are in the the Gemara, right? They went to Bnei Brak and they saw these goats eating figs and like the, the fig honey is like dripping down and the, right, the honey is dripping down and the goats' udders are like leaking milk. And he says, ah, now I understand that this is the land of right, flowing milk and honey, right? So the milk and the honey is just flowing everywhere. Um. And there are more stories of uh, different people in different cities in Israel where they're seeing the the honey and the which is really like sap from trees or fruit uh, and the milk just flowing you know, in the streets. Uh, Daf 112, our last Daf, um, we have more stories about miraculous large fruit in Israel. Um, not only will that happen in the end of days, but the Gemara brings stories of people who grew this like miraculous fruit, and it seems to be connected to uh, the way people are uh, behaving. If they're behaving well, then they're blessed and the produce is, is very plentiful, and if not, then the produce uh, basically suffers. Um, and back to, uh, Israel, uh, Israel is compared to a deer, a, tzvi, a, a deer. Why? Because, uh, apparently if you skin a deer, uh, the, the hide, uh, I, I don't know if the hide shrinks or the meat is very large, but there's no way to put, I guess, like figuratively, but like you couldn't put the skin back on the deer because it wouldn't hold all the meat. So too, Israel cannot contain all the produce that it's going to produce. Meaning, it's going to be such abundant. uh, Right? The word shefa comes to mind. uh, Right? Shefa means abundance. um, Right? Just just overflowing uh, with you know produce. Uh, Or uh, a deer is the swiftest animal, and and Israel is the fastest to produce fruit, um, and. Um, right, Rabbi Ela- there's a story of Rabbi Elazar who moved to Israel and he was saved from three curses uh, because he moved to Israel. He got smicha and he learned how to calculate the calendar, uh, so he was saved. Um, and again, we have Rabbi Zeira coming to Israel and he gets to the other side of the Jordan River. And he's looking for the, the ferry, and the ferry's not there, and he doesn't know what to do. Uh, so he decides, I'm just walking across. Uh, those of you who uh, have seen the Jordan River, uh, there are places where it is actually very easy to walk across. Um, so he just walks across, uh, and they say, Why didn't you wait for the ferry? And he says, You know, I'm here. I'm just so excited. I want to be in Israel as fast as I can. Uh, and more stories of uh, rabbis who Get to Israel and kiss the ground, or roll in the in the stones and the dust of Israel, just to be, uh, you know, connected to the land. Um, and uh, the 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 Gemara ends by saying that uh, in the future, right? Not right. Basically, all the fruits. Um, sorry, all the trees of Israel. Um, will produce fruit. And um, right, even the non-fruit-bearing trees are going to bear fruit. Uh, so I think, right, this idea of abundance of blessing that is very clear in Eretz Israel is the theme of uh, these last few dapim. Uh And with that, hadran alach uh, to k'tuvot. Right, we will return to you to um, vote. I think that uh, this this was a long masechet, and, and there was really uh, a lot. I think a lot that we uh, can take away from this masechet. We learned uh, a lot about, uh, I think, about the protection of women, uh, how uh, women were uh, right. It, within the document of the Ketuvah, uh, we the rabbis wanted to make sure that women will be protected, that they will be provided for, um, and I think that it's really such a schut to have learned this masachet with all of you. Uh, and I thought it would be nice if if someone wants to share. Uh, I actually uploaded a picture of my Ketuvah, Um, That here's my Ketuvah, um, That my mother-in-law. Uh, made I don't see her right now in the screen, but oh, yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I see her top of her head. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, my mother in law is an artist and she uh, painted this. I'll actually uh, just uh, give you a short little story about this. K'tuva. Um, this is not our original k'tuva. Uh my mother in law um, made us a beautiful k'tuva for our wedding uh, and we had it in a box in our house. Unfortunately, for a number of, uh, I would probably say months, uh, because we didn't get around to taking it to the framer. Uh, and we had a woman who was cleaning our house and she picked up the box and she's like, oh, there's nothing here. And she threw it down the incinerator. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, if you remember, uh, we did learn, uh, are you allowed to, remi- right? Are you still married? If you don't have your. K'tuva? Um, many people say, "Oh no, you can't even sleep in the same house." You can, uh, but we quickly called our rabbi uh, and we <laughs> asked, uh, "What can we do?" Um, and there's actually a document that we needed to go get uh, that we needed to sign with witnesses that says, uh, "You know, basically, these poor people lost their ktuva, and this is the replacement." Um, so we actually have that that uh, document in our important document files uh, and then a number of years later uh, my wonderful mother-in-law made us a new ktuva uh, and this is our ktuva so you can see you can see can, it here. Can, you, here can you move the uh, um the video down or up or down so i can't even see it i just see the top of it oh here can you see it now uh-uh, not uh, yet. okay here here you can see it uh it has palm trees, because my name is Tamara. So Tamara yeah. means date, date tree, uh, palm tree. And it has uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem, because my, my husband's name is Benzion, uh, so. Um, his name is, name is embedded in the stones. His name is embedded in the stones? What do you mean? I understand that, but I can't see it. <laughs> you uh, have to look carefully in the stones of the wall? No, I can't see the wall because I'm only seeing the top half of it. Oh, um,
1: okay. I don't know why.
0: When you get home, you'll see it. Here, the this logo. is our, here, you can see here. I'll, I'll, I'll blow up the, uh, this is our logo with our names on it. Um, yeah, um, anyway, this is, this is it. And uh, I don't know if someone else wants to share uh, wants to share a, uh, a, uh, you know, I don't know a picture of there. Oh, someone's showing. Let's see. Zohar is showing her. Ketubah. Let's see it's actually a, a form. That's just filled in it's the Rabbanot form. And it's filled in, but it's hard to see. Uh, so, here in Israel. Um, wait, I wonder if I can make you like a big wait, move to stage. Wait, let's do it again. Can people see Zohar now better like bigger? Okay, so here in Israel, uh, when you get, when you get married, uh, you can actually, you go to the religious uh, offices and they give you a uh, a very nice k'tuva that you fill in at your wedding uh, and everybody can get the same one, or you can go to like an artist uh, and have yours, you know, custom, custom made. But, um, you know, if you remember, we talked about right putting in, you have to put in the date, you have to put in the place, you have to put in the names. Um, mm-hmm. And then remember we talked about um, here, it even says, hold on a minute, I can read it one second, um, right? He prom- the, the promises to support his wife um, mm-hmm. and give her, right? Uh, hold on to give her right clothing and feed her. Um, and uh, hold on one second. And it all roof over his hand, roof over Right, right. And, and, he, and conjugal rights. Yes, those exactly, are are exactly, <laughs> Um, right. And here it says, right, Matayim Kesef, right? I'm gonna, he's gonna give Matayim, that's the 200 plus a Tosefet, right? So we were always learning about the addition, right? So that's actually in, in the Ktuva, right? da he added to it. Um, you know, and different different tuvas have different either amounts, um, but right and he promises to support her in the right in the, 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 base price plus the tosefet, right and here are at the bottom. You have witnesses who sign the con, right? It's a document. It's a, a legal document and therefore um, you need to have it signed uh, by 2 uh, valid witnesses. Um. So I just think it's amazing, you know, that, uh, that, you know, this is what we just learned about for the past. Um, I don't know. I don't know how long we've been learning, but I guess 111 days. Um, so uh, we've been learning for, about this for a while. So just beautiful. And uh, yeah, and uh, wishing everyone a Mazal Tov. I hope you're all having a celebration with friends or family. Um. And can nice. we all wish you a happy birthday tomorrow? Thank you. Thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank yeah. you. Can you remind us again how much uh, uh, 200 zoos are or 100 zoos? How much is the, the actual value? Yeah. Um, in, in today's money? In yes. today's money, yeah. I think a zoo's is something like a penny. No, 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 it's a lot. <laughs> a, lot? a lot? It's a lot. Wait one second. Uh, I'm just going to I'll end the recording. So I just want to wish everyone uh, a wonderful week. Chodesh Tov. Yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a Rosh Chodesh today. And uh, I will see, I will answer your question one minute, but I'll just end the recording. Uh, I will see everyone uh, next week. Don't forget to register for the new class. So that you're on that email list. Oh, um, yeah. The new class is for Masechet Nidarim. We're gonna learn all about vows and oaths. You're all gonna start saying "Bli Neder," right? Not a neder. Um, right? We don't want to commit to anything. Um, but uh, we will meet regular time, Bezrat Hashem next Tuesday, uh, with an introduction and um, the first week of Maseket Nadarim, wishing everyone a wonderful week.